the first edition of 2020 of the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast. Rhino, can you believe it? We are currently in a decade that the Cubs have never won a World Series. Chad, it's almost like I can hardly remember when the Cubs were in the World Series. That's how long I feel like it's been. Absolutely we, shocking, but it's good to be back with you. It's so good to be back. It's so good that we're going to be doing this. We've got so many incredible guests. You're going to talk about that just in sec- in just a few seconds. Uh, baseball tonight might ring a bell. Um, we've got some great topics to talk about, everything from Chris Bryant to the Marquee Network to um, what is David Ross going to bring to the bullpen. Yeah, and not only that, you just mentioned it. We have a huge guest to kick off 2020. Huge. Carl Ravitch from ESPN, former host of Baseball Tonight, and of course, play-by-play announcer for Major League Baseball and, of course, the Little League World Series. And talk about somebody who knows David Ross. Oh, yeah. He was David Ross's partner for the last couple of years. So we are going to get into that with Carl Ravitch from ESPN. Very excited to talk to him. The Friendly Confines Cubs podcast starts right now. Right now. First inning now of 2020, Chad, and it was an offseason of very little change. In fact, this entire roster is basically what is returning from 2019 of a team that won 84 games. So you look at this team and maybe you look at it and say, hey, this is a team that won a World World Series championship. Maybe this is just a, a team that's going to bounce back this coming year in 2020. So maybe we don't need to do anything, but then there's the other side of how you look at it. And it's, well, they didn't do anything. And this team only won 84 games. They're not good enough to win this division or get to the postseason. So I guess I will kick us off with how do you view this 2020 roster after there has been absolutely no impactful free agent signings or trades up to this point? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the the big changes is, is are the people that they didn't retain. You know, we talked about that before with with Addison not being there and and uh, with Pedro probably being somewhere else later on and, and some of the pitchers going elsewhere. But yeah, this is large. The core of this team is largely going to be the core of the team that that finished last year that that have big roles. So so no big names are are are, are being jettisoned and no big names are coming on board. I, I, I it's it's a concerning piece if everything that played out last year does kind of goes into place this year. What I'm hopeful for, and you know, and the listeners know this, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, my hope is injuries um, are going to be limited this year. And you can't count on that. Obviously uh, my hope is you Darvish is going to continue uh, the the trajectory that we saw him towards the end of last year. Um, and my hope is, is that uh, if this team can, can find the fire um, and, and bring it, on a daily basis yeah. uh, under yeah. new leadership. And I think that's the key is what is, you know, we're going to talk about Ross in a little bit, but you know, that it, it's a different culture in that clubhouse. Right. That's going to be the main difference. Yeah. I, and for me, I think it, you're right. It, injuries absolutely decimated this team last year. I mean, it was obvious if this team had stayed healthy, I really believe this team would have been much, much better. The bullpen was absolutely destroyed. Um, you know, top offensive players like Anthony Rizzo and, you know, Wilson Contreras. I mean, these were guys that, went down and and i mean towards the end the, the, basically the cubs were playing with nobody i mean bryant you know wasn't playing 100 percent healthy although he had a decent yep. bounce back year so the one name obviously that the, the team loses and you can debate how big of a name it was was 
they decided not to retain Cole Hamels. I mean, obviously he had a, a pretty yeah. heavy option and, you know, I don't think the Cubs, you know, are really losing much with a guy who's at this age, about 37 years old and certainly not in the prime of his career. So to your point, if this team can stay healthy, there is no doubt in my mind that this team is still capable of playing at a high level and certainly contending for a, a postseason spot. So with that, let's move on to the second inning. And of course, one of the key players that is, uh, going to be well at least with the team this season depending on what happens is Chris Bryant this is obviously the big question of the offseason more than anything else Chad he won his arbitration case he's going to make over 18 million dollars this year but the grievance that goes back to Bryant's 2015 season where the Cubs kept him in the minors for a week so then they brought him up causing it to have team control over him for one more year uh, Brian's team with Scott Boris, his power agent, deciding that he uh, should be a free agent after this season. The Cubs are maintaining that he should be a free agent after the 2021 season. So with yeah. that, the Cubs are waiting. I don't know what is taking so long and why this is have uh, has so much at stake of, as to what is uh, baseball waiting for. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, this is huge because if Bryant does win this grievance case, this could speed up, Chad, to potentially the Cubs trading Chris Bryant, whether it's during the season, during spring training, or if he loses the case, the Cubbies are going to hang on to him at least, at least potentially for one more year. They could still trade him because then he's got two years on his contract. And yeah. Maybe they could even get more in return. So do you yeah, think I, Bryant I, stays I, with the I, team long term this year? Yeah, I, I don't see a Ryan. Ryan, I just think I think Ryan is uh, uh, Chris Bryant is a trade piece if this season goes down the tubes. If this season somehow just comes out of the gate and this looks like, oh, no, what are we going to do here? He, he is one of the most tradable assets. And you're right. It depends if he has two years of control or one year. My biggest issue is with Major League Baseball, and and I don't know, and I don't understand. Maybe Ricketts, maybe Tom, and the family is not in the in the the in in the good graces of baseball. That's why they've not gotten the All Star game. Uh, you know, that's why some some of the other rulings have gone against them. I don't understand why this has taken so long. This should have been worked out right away. Um, you know, the news about the Astros cheating scandal that has reverberated and the Red Sox cheating scandal, you know, that has been dealt with, all, although the Red Sox investigation is not complete. But that was quick. Why is this not quick? And I think there's a reason for that. The biggest reason is this will have repercussions and implications that could fan out and and touch dozens and dozens of players who were also withheld for the first month of a season. And it could come back retroactively to hurt a lot of teams. So that is concerning. The reason this is taking longer is because I'm concerned that this supposedly this arbitrator, which is supposed to be um, neither side connected, um, you know, maybe they're dragging this out because they know there's going to be some big implications and Cubs fans should be weary. Um, I don't think Chris Bryant's a trade target. I think it's just fall. It's, it's just, it's news to, uh, to fill sport, uh, talk radio and, and, and bylines and, and, uh, and newspapers. I don't see it. He is, he is a, 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 a generational talent that has had some injury issues. Um, my biggest issue with all of this is Major League Baseball dragging their feet, and I, I'm concerned that it's going to go against the Cubs' favor um, and in, in favor of Chris, which means uh, uh, one less year of, of, uh, of team control. Well, with that being said, then, as we move to the third inning, it's what is the next move? And pretty much this yeah. grievance is handcuffing the Cubs uh, to make any moves because, listen, if, if he, you know, regardless of what happens, I think Chris Bryan is, like you said, their most tradable asset. And I think they're going to have to move 
pieces off the books uh, if they're going to sign somebody like Nick Castellanos. And we'll get to him uh, later in the, the podcast and talk more about his situation because, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people are waiting to see the Cubs make a move, and I don't think they're done making moves yet. But again, they can't make any moves until money is taken off the books and they figure out what they're ultimately going to do with Chris Bryant. So it's just it's just kind of sitting there right now. In the meantime, the rotation looks like it's pretty set. They're still tweaking the bullpen, which listen, that bullpen can continuously get more and you know more parts to it because you're going to need it. Um, but you know the rest of the team at this point. Is pretty set. I, I think that's really what it is. You're going to get players back if you trade Bryant. That's basically what it boils down to and potentially uh, be able to sign another player. That's where we're at right now, and, and that's what it's going to be. Yeah, you know, I, I look at everything you, you you touched on, I think you nailed. And last year, when I think about it, we talked about this before. I think the biggest issue last year was the the unknowns and inconsistency and the distraction of Addison Russell. The Cubs should have cut bait with him last year and not had that situation where he comes in, you work him in. That plus the nightmare of a signing of Daniel Descalso. That that was that, that really killed us on the in, in, infield. The, the team was was ineffective, couldn't get into groove. And then the outfield got that spark with Nick Castellanos, as you said. So what? is the next move i'm bewildered by the attitude of 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 the fans and if you're a listener and and this upsets you i'm I'm sorry i I just don't understand this this cubs team is a top three spending team in the league and they there are some financial limitations you can't go out even though the rickets are worth a gazillion dollars you can't go out and spend you know an extra hundred million dollars over everybody else because there are insane financial implications of that so there are there are there is no salary cap in baseball that there but there are these luxury tax levels and this team is trying to be prudent to get them under a certain area so because if you're over the salary cap a second year and at a certain level it hurts you and it and you eventually the comp, uh, different pick situations affects you so i get what they're trying to do financially we, we, we have to remember that Kimbrell is in the fold. Um, there's a history of players getting picked up midseason struggling. So he's going to have a whole offseason and a full spring training. He could be the reliever we, we, we hope to think he is. Um, but the rest of this core team, other than some of the parts of like not sure about a, 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 a leadoff batter and, and what's going to happen in center field, um, and then who's really going to take the reins at second base, the other positions seem to be pretty well locked in. So what is the next move? I'm not really sure. I think prudence and understanding where uh, a spreadsheet – I mean, that that is really the biggest – story of the offseason is the Cubs financial team and their spreadsheet. Yeah, and, and we'll get more into that uh, later in the pod. So we move to the fourth inning now, and we kind of mentioned uh, Nick Castellanos just uh, a few minutes ago. And, um, you know, there's a reason. I, I mean, I have to think, Chad, there is a reason why Nick Castellanos is still unsigned because he was mm-hmm. easily one of the top five free agents this offseason. I, I mean, he really was. I, I truly believe that he is – somebody that a lot of teams could use. He is still unsigned and we are close to February. Okay. I mean, pitchers and catchers are reporting very soon. So in my mind, there is got to be something on the table, a handshake agreement between the Cubs and Nick Castellanos that sit there and say, look, we want you back, but give us some time to figure things out and we will make a deal for you. I can't think of any other reason. Otherwise he would have signed already with another team. So as far as I'm concerned, Nick Castellanos is going to be a member of the Cubs. It's not a matter Mm. of if, it's a matter of when. 
as far as I'm concerned. I don't see it. I, this is going to be our first disagreement of, uh, of the year, and, and we're going to have these from time to time. I believe Nick Castellanos just falls into the new world of Major League Baseball free agency. And that new world of Major League Baseball free agency does not value players into their 30s getting value for long-term contracts or even short-term two- or three-year contracts. So I think he's out there trying to get the best money he can. It's not like there's been a splash of signings and, 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 uh, you know, and, and, and money's going all over the place. Uh, I think that this is just the new norm with the, you know, this isn't Mike Trout we're talking about here. This isn't, this isn't Harper, you know, this is, this is, um, just the bewildered, the, the front offices have gotten smarter projecting out the value of these, these uh, finally make your money contracts later in a career. And I think Nick, unfortunately, um, has, has peaked five years too late. Yeah. He would have much, got a much bigger contract five years I, ago. You know what? Even though, I mean, listen, he could have easily signed a two year deal. I mean, Marcelo Zuna is getting 18 million for one year from uh, the Braves. You know what I mean? Like, and he didn't have a very yeah. good year. And Castellanos had an incredible year. Like, I, I truly believe that there is something that the Cubs are trying to work on. And I, 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 I really think that eventually he will be in the fold because I think he would have signed already. I really do. I think there, I mean, there's going to be a team that he's going to sign with. I, I don't see it, Ryan. I, I think David Ross is, is I, I said this at the end of last season. I think David Ross is the splashy signing that is supposed to drive eyeballs to the new marquee network in the 2020. Well, speaking of David Ross, as we move on to the fifth inning, David Ross now in charge of this Cubs roster. And of course, Rossi, who is, uh, you know, beloved by so many fans, uh, part of that 2015 and 2016 team that won the world championship, um, you know, Spent his time at ESPN, and we're going to get into our interview more so with Carl Ravitch, who was uh, partners with David Ross during the MLB and Little League uh, World Series season. So he's got some great insight. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, is David Ross the guy who ultimately is going to create a different culture than what Joe Madden had? I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect from David Ross. Listen, I've said this to you before. We are now in a baseball world where the manager takes his cue from the front office and the front office is yep. really the ones calling the shots. So in the world of baseball that we live in, how much of an impact does a manager really have on what is going on on the field? Um, you know, to me, I, I feel like David Ross is certainly a guy who, um, the media will love the fans will love, but is he a good manager? I don't think that's something that any of us can answer right now. And quite frankly, Chad, even as the season progresses, I don't think it's a question you can answer because of how little a manager makes an impact now in a major league baseball game. So as far as I'm concerned, I think this is more of a PR thing to have somebody like Rossi, who's on the same page with the front office more so than it is a guy who knows the X's and O's of baseball, which he does, but I don't think he's going to really have that much of an impact on the X's and O's, so to speak. I think um, I think you nailed part of it, which is this is a PR move. I, and I, I, I touched on it in the last last inning to say, I think this was the splashy moves that the Cubs made. I mean, you've, you've seen the, the, the shirts from uh, our friends over at Obvious Shirts. Uh, 
you know, those blue shirts that the saying says, uh, our manager hit a 415 bomb in game seven of the world series. So like he's got swagger, he's got legend, he's going to do good interviews. He knows how to handle the media. Um, he, you know, he's going to be an asset for the growth of Wilson Contreras and, and, and working with the pitchers and reconnecting with Lester. So those are good things. You know, the X's and O's, I'm not going to, I can't really speak to that. What I can speak to is this. I think Joe Madden, we've talked about this. Joe Madden was the right guy at the right time with a young team that needed to let loose and just just play without without abandon right this is a team now that has been there they've they've seen it um other teams have caught up so now this team of now you know veterans all of them you can't really call that the core four core five uh the youngsters anymore this team needs a different leader and i think that's what david ross is going to bring to the table they need a new face and you're right the analytics are going to come have a big role here but david ross more than anything uh, this seemed like a a predestined decision um and he's the guy that is going to be given all the tools he can maybe not open up any more of a checkbook they still have again top three payroll in baseball it's now up to him to show how he can manage the egos, manage the, um, the, the, the stars, manage the role players, and get the very most out of this team as if he would when a middle reliever is struggling and goes out to the mound. He has to be the guy, um, like when in his catching days, where he has to pull somebody together, get him back on track, and get him focused. All right, let's move on to the sixth inning. And you said it before, Chad. Uh, this team is going to have a payroll of around $208 million. So they're going to be uh, in the first tier of the luxury tax. And obviously a lot has been made in this off season about the lack of spending from this Cubs team. Um, but you, you make a valid point. This team has spent a lot over the last several years. They have going to have the, the third or fourth highest payroll in baseball with what they currently have constructed on this team. They went out and they paid Craig Kimbrell. They went out and they gave a big contract to Hugh Darvish, who was, you know, the big free agent pitcher on the market. Then they obviously signed John Lester to that long-term deal, which I think all of us looked at and said, look, this is a deal that the first four, maybe five years of this deal, it's going to be good. But the last two, you might be eating some money and that, that hopefully will not be the case, but John Lester's getting older now. I mean, he's about 37, 38 years old now, I believe when the season starts. So, you know, the Cubs have been spending a lot of money. Nobody can fault them for that. And I understand that there's two sides to this. Yes, on one side, you want to be smart in spending your money. And on the other side, and when you're a fan, you feel like if your team's only won 84 games the year before and it's not working, then you should go out and fix the things that there are issues with. And, you know, I, I think the Ricketts look at this two ways. A, they don't want to be hit with a big penalty with the luxury tax. And B, this is still a team that has a lot of talent and a lot of great players. And as we said at the top of this show, if the Cubs can stay healthy, there are guys in this pitching rotation, in this lineup, who are some of the best in baseball and should be able to take this team and contend for a division and go to the postseason. So I I can understand on fans being upset. But I can also understand looking at this team and saying, look, this is a good team. And they have every every potential to be as good as they were in 2017 and even in 2016. Yeah, when you look at the the struggles of last year, and, and again, we broke down the, the way the season ended. So, um, you know, our listeners know this. I mean, it, it's if you could have reversed those late inning collapses, if you could have reversed those bullpen blown saves, if you could have reversed half of those, 
this team wins the division. And so the bullpen, obviously, you know, if they could do better and strengthen, I think we saw a stronger bullpen down, down the line a little bit. Kimbrell obviously never found his groove. Um, and then we had that nightmare back-to-back walk-off or not walk-off, but a game, a, a lead lead losing a series against the Cardinals uh, that just, just showed off what, what the worst of it was. Does this team have enough? You know, Kimbrell's going to be a big part of that. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we know that this Cubs team knows how to like find diamonds in, in the rough. And, you know, we're talking, whether we're talking about the wick boys, you know, both of them coming on, we never heard of them the year before um, other, other players um, that are, they're going to be coming into the fold as we go. The core of this team is still there. The core of this team has a lot of ego and the core of this team does not want to be thought of as a one trick pony. And so I still have a lot of belief in, in Willie and Kyle and Chris and and Javi and uh, and 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 uh, um, and Anthony, I have a lot of belief in those players and Hayward's glove and 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 a, a good part of our starting rotation. Um, but again, will this team have enough? I think will this team be able to stay healthy? Will they have the heart? And will they be able to show up in a way that they weren't able to do for a big part of last season? Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines podcast. And we are excited for our first guest of 2020, longtime baseball host on ESPN. Of course, you remember him from Baseball Tonight, now doing play-by-play for Major League Baseball on ESPN. If there's one guy that knows baseball, it's definitely our guest. It is Carl Ravitch. And Carl, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Ryan and Chad. How you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you guys very much for having me. Anytime I can be in the friendly confines of any place i'm happy to do it but especially baseball and being your first guest of uh, 2020 i'm honored i tried to be creative carl with the way i got in touch with you i have a pug uh that i inherited because of my (laughs) wife so now i am a pug uh owner as well and you have a pug too um how did you grow to love pugs so much as uh i was i was born into pugs in fact long before i was born my family had had Pug dogs. My grandparents uh, had them. My folks. So I think we had two or three of them. Uh, I've had two of them over my uh, adult life. So I've I've been bitten by the pug bug. And once you get bitten by the pug bug, it's hard to uh, it's hard to ever give up. And I've I seek them out wherever I go with all my travels, especially during a time where people are out walking. I always always am looking for pugs. I got a family of kids that send pug videos now and. Obviously, those things have become wildly popular, so uh, that that goes long before I was even born. My family was smart enough to fall in love with pugs and once, once you get exposed to them, it's very easy to fall in love and stay in love with them. Yeah, no, that's exactly what my wife says. It's so true. And now I find myself kind of always being around pugs or seeing them out and always going, oh, there's a pug. So I, I totally yeah. understand uh, where, where you're coming from. All right, let's, so let's, let's talk some Cubs baseball as we enter the 2020 season. And um, Carl, let's start here. A very quiet offseason for the Cubs. Um, probably the biggest news, your, your former partner, David Ross, now the manager of this team so i guess where are your initial thoughts on the cubs going into 2020 just from what you have seen from what the team has done or for that matter not done in the offseason yeah i uh you know i understand the frustration in a slow offseason i get the sense 
that uh, there's, I wouldn't say that they're not in a try to win now mode, but I do think that there's, there's sort of a, a self-analysis going on within the organization as to where do we go and how do we get to where we want to go. Uh, 84 wins is a, is a big disappointment. And I, you know, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious when you look at them, the frustration comes in some of the decisions around their pitchers uh, more than it does their position players. Uh, they, they certainly have MVP candidates in the field. And I, I guess that would be my, you know, my bigger concern, um, the pitching, uh, both both bullpen and starting pitching. And, look, I, I'm one of those. I don't even know if it's old school. I think if you can get them, you should. And I think that uh, it's been proven recently that, that starting pitching does tend to win World Series. Um, we saw it with Washington. Uh, obviously, the Yankees have stockpiled, and they're as talented a team um, in the field as they are on the mound. But adding Garrett Cole to that staff, it's going to get better when – when Severino is at full strength and uh, if and when they get her bond back. But uh, I can see what they're trying to do in those other markets with starting pitching. I'm sure from a Cubs fan perspective, and I wouldn't blame them, uh, why weren't we in on somebody like Garrett Cole? He'd seem like a perfect fit, and obviously the price tag is exorbitant. Uh, but we've, we've sort of cornered ourselves in some of the things that we're willing to consider financially, and I, I, I think that's the frustrating part. I mean, having... Having been involved with baseball for a long time, having seen the Cubs go from you know where they were to World Series champs, and given some of the kids on that team, you figured, wow, we're gonna we're gonna watch the Cubs in the postseason and playoffs and World Series for years to come, and it it just didn't turn out that way, and it seems sort of rapidly going, wouldn't say in the other direction, but they're not in that conversation now with some of the premier teams in baseball. So I understand the frustration. It's interesting uh, to see what the Ross dynamic will have on that team. If, in fact, it's, it's a change of scenery, meaning no more Joe Madden. Let's bring David Ross. Somehow Bryant and Rizzo uh, elevate their game a little bit. Baez keeps going. John Lester can, can kind of return to some form and, and go from there. Maybe that's it, but I, I share the frustration that Cubs fans do with David David's not playing baseball. He's managing baseball, and we, we need some more production uh, in a lot of areas. Well, with that being said, and Carl, you know David as well as anybody, what do you make of him being a manager, and not only that, managing guys who these are his friends, and now he's got to toe the line of being an enforcer to some degree and, and making sure these guys are kind of held responsible. I think there was a lot of talk that Madden kind of let loose a little bit in the locker room, you know, maybe the last couple of years. David's now got to keep these guys, you know, in line, so to speak. Where, what do you see from David as a manager? Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that being a problem. Um, in the end, you know, David Ross is hired to be the manager of the Cubs, not to be a friend of uh, Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant or Baez or Contreras or whoever. Um, and look, when when you win a hundred games, the relationships seem to be a lot better than when you're winning eighty games. So so the friendships, the relationships tend to take on a different look depending on the success of the team. Rossi is, you know, Rossi's a, he, he's a hard ass. Uh, and I think, I think those guys know that about him. He's a go to the mound as a catcher, uh, look your pitcher in the eye, friend or not, and, and tell him what's up and how it, how it needs to change. And you, you can't have feelings get in the way of the message. 
especially when the Chicago Cubs are paying you to be a manager. We're not, we're not really paying you to be a friend. If the clubhouse culture needs to be changed and it needs to be a little more um, rigid, strict, whatever it may be, then he can do that. If they wanted it to be looser, we certainly know he can do that. I mean, David Ross, you know, was was as good a partner with the Little League World Series, probably the best I've ever had, because of his his sense of humor and his goofiness and his ability to kind of poke fun of himself. At the same time, sit him in a major league booth, and he can be the best analyst sitting next to you of all the guys because of his ability to break down pitching, to understand, uh, you know, wh- where they're trying to beat you as a pitcher-catcher battery as opposed to somebody who doesn't really know. So I, I, I'm not worried about that. I know he's not worried about it. I think it's a fair question to ask, uh, but I don't think David's going to have a hard time separating, delivering a message when he sees somebody not uh, giving 110% effort because that's what helped win them the 2016 World Series. He saw it. They know it. And uh, if you have gotten away from it, and I'm not saying they have, but if you've gotten away from it, he can certainly recognize some of those you know characteristics and get it and try to get it back on track we're talking with carl ravich of espn taking a few minutes to join us here as our seventh inning stretch conductor on the friendly confines you can find carl on twitter at carl ravich espn make sure to follow him there he's a great follow of course longtime broadcaster and host on espn you know carl we were talking earlier about um the dynamics of this team not going out and getting any impact free agents and you know the cubs convention was actually this past weekend and the rickets have kind of maintained that they need to stay within this budget yet we're seeing wrigleyville grow to depths that we have never seen before now the marquee network is starting you know, to, uh, from what we were told, provide that revenue stream that the Yes Network does for the Yankees or what the Dodgers have with their television network. And I, I know you don't know the finances of, of this baseball team, but does it surprise you when you see the Ricketts come back and say, yes, we are supposed to have these revenue streams, but we don't have enough money to pay for these impact-free agents this offseason? Yeah, I think the answer to that question is I do do believe it becomes frustrating when an organization decides, and it does. there there are times where it feels arbitrary, that the ownership decides we're going to stay within uh, a certain budget. Uh, The Red Sox seem to be going through that. The Cubs seem to be going through that. And yet the Reds and the White Sox are out spending a lot of money. The Minnesota Twins, who, who traditionally have been, you know, I think recognized as a team that doesn't throw money at free agents were the team that said now's the time let's give josh donaldson 34 92 million dollars for four years so there does there does feel feel like there's an arbitrary decision being made by owners and you know from the fans perspective and 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 i would say this that the yankees for years here recently have towed the line, and and they've always had one of the highest payrolls. I'm not suggesting they don't spend the money, but Brian Cashman has been accused in recent years of not going out and getting the big free agent. Obviously, uh, again, the arbitrary nature of it is you've made all those deals, some with the Cubs, of course, uh, and you find yourself now in a position where if you want to use the we believe we can win World Series or multiple World Series. We are now in the position, and Garrett Cole's the right guy. Here's $324 million. 
Um, that that's part of the frustrating nature for fans. Whereas the Cubs in '16 were great, and we we've seen some regression, and we saw some players traded, and some get older. And rather than have that momentum, and this is a fan thing, have the momentum continue from 16 to 17 through 20, 21, 22, you go through these periods where what appeared to be a team that's going to be great for five or six years, they recognize, at least internally, we don't necessarily think we're there right now. We look around the league and we see the Dodgers and we may not see ourselves in that same conversation. We look at the National League East and you know, lo and behold, the Atlanta Braves have become formidable. It's the Nationals that have Strasburg and Scherzer on their staff with Corbin. Maybe we are realistically looking in the mirror, not in that category. And as a result, we don't believe that spending money on one player or two players is going to be enough. And again, I don't think organizations are going to admit it. I think most will tell you that they believe, especially teams like, like the Cubs, like the Red Sox, um, other Diamondbacks, other other quasi-competitive teams. Uh, the Braves are, are in this category as one that didn't go out and spend a ton of money. You didn't retain your third baseman, uh, and yet you're knocking on the door. Uh, why didn't you do that? I don't think they're going to acknowledge that we internally don't believe we're good enough. We're going to use the let's stay within a particular budget argument, and that's where I think fans get, get frustrated, and that's a fan's prerogative they certainly can get fired up about that i don't blame them but it's it's not the fans money and as i've always said about free agent spending when someone says is it too much money for josh donaldson or is it too much money for garrett cole or any scott boris client the the simple answer is it's not my money you know it's their money and if they, they choose to spend it that way so be it and more power to them and i think the cubs are in that vortex of we're going to fall back on the let's get within a particular uh, spending parameter, and that uh, anytime a fan hears that, you're like, "Come on, man! It, we're, we're spending money on on tickets. We're coming out to the ballpark. Look around Wrigley Field and see all the other revenue streams that have, you know, that have presented themselves." It, it doesn't mean, though, that some of the past spending goes away. You you still may very well be up against a a salary, um, you know, a salary bump where if you go over it, you're going to pay a tax and. You know what? We decided we don't want to pay the tax. Sure. And sure. for years we were competitive. Our thanks to Carl Ravitch in part one of our two-part interview. And you can hear, of course, part two in our upcoming podcast. But great stuff from Carl Ravitch. And it was yeah. such, such an honor and a pleasure to really talk to him about everything Cubs-related baseball. So uh, thanks so much to Carl for his time. As we move on to the eighth inning, Chad, and of course, uh, as Carl and I touched on in the interview, the Marquee Network, the new official network of the Cubs, was officially announced during the Cubs convention. Uh, the Cubs uh, announcing the talent that's going to be a part of the Marquee Network. Among them is Cole Wright, who's going to be kind of the face of the network, and he is going to be a guest on an upcoming episode of our podcast, among others. And then, of course, the um, former players or managers, for that matter, that are going to be a part of the network, including former Cubs manager Lou Pinella, which I thought was kind of neat, and uh, former Cub pitcher and Cy Young Award winner Rick Sutcliffe, who is with ESPN. So uh, I thought that was great as well. But the bigger story with the Marquee Network is, of course, that the Cubs have not yet come to an agreement with Xfinity Comcast, which I believe holds about 
65% of the Chicagoland area cable networks and uh, obviously is going to be a big issue for a lot of people who are going to try and watch Cubs games, especially fans like us, Chad, who for years grew up with free WGN. And then when it was on Comcast Sportsnet, um, this is going to be a major change. Now, for someone like myself, who does not live in Illinois anymore, um, I usually watch the Cubs when they're either on MLB Network or on ESPN. But if you live in Chicago, you're used to seeing the Cubs 162 games a year. This is going to be a major issue, and I am really curious to see how the Cubs organization reacts to this, along with Comcast, to try and figure out a way for fans to ultimately be able to see the majority of the games. But this is not the way you want to start a network, especially with all the other things that are going on with the Cubs right now. You really wanted to get this right, and right now we're not seeing that happen just yet. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's the business of baseball, and, and the Yankees went through this with cable, cable vision back in the day. Uh, the Dodgers, who are, are basically, their payroll is is living off of a multi-billion dollar deal that they, they did, and they're still not in much of the market, and a lot of the market in Los Angeles. So this can be um, troubling. Um, this can be disorienting. This can this can make people again. I mean, this is this is a team that a lot of the fans that are there aren't even Chicago based fans. They grew up and they became fans of this team because of WG and the Harry carried Steve Stone in the 80s, 80s, you know, the team in the 80s. And before that, it was just it was must see TV before that was such a thing when there was only like 10 channels. I think this is going to drag into the season. I think this will absolutely marquee will not be on Comcast um, when spring training starts. It's you know, we're you know, we're just a. Uh, a few weeks away from the launch in February. And I, I think this is going to take some time. And so if they're looking at, at uh, I've, I've heard numbers between four and a half and five and a half dollars a subscriber, you know, Comcast has a lot of negotiating power to be able to, to do this. What I have found interesting, um, I think a deal is going to get worked out. I think you're going to see some front page ads and, you know, and I think Sinclair um, is going to withhold other channels and negotiate other ways. I, but I think it's going to get worked out eventually. I don't, the, the, the Cubs team is not going to be the uh, marquee is not going to be on is not not going to be on Comcast this this year. But I think it may be delayed because that's business and that's negotiation. What's in, in, interesting to me, Ryan, is how many people that, you know, um, and, and this is a younger demographic, which is what baseball needs. But how many people do you have cut the cord? And so. To see to see the Cubs, you you're you cannot see them over the air. You've got to have cable, and so for those cord cutters, are they just not going to watch baseball anymore? Are they not going to be interested in it at all? So, um, I'm interested in what's going to happen in the future. I'm interested in when the marquee network can just be dialed up on anybody's phone at any time, and and, and is completely disconnected to to uh, a cable system. And that's what the future is going to hold. But you're right. Right now, it's a concern. A lot of people are upset about it. There are people out there that, that, that do not want to pay $4.50 or $5.50 a month to consume the team, which is interesting to me because I think if, if the marquee network puts out good product and, and again, a, a, a a station that's 24 hour Cubs. Are you kidding me? I mean, they can put some good stuff out there. They've already shown what they can do on their YouTube channel and, and in some of their social media. I think this, this deal is going to take longer. Um, uh, they would have loved to have everything wrapped up by the convention. Um, and this is going to be an interesting year, interesting year um, with the Cubs with a brand new home here. Let me just say this really quick. And I, before we move on to our, our final inning, I just think it's interesting because you do not subscribe to the MLB package. I do not. No, I, I, 
I do. I do. Not I, on TV, though. Um, you do it on the radio. No, right? I, I just get the radio. I get the radio because that's my preference. I've always preferred Pat Hughes. And so if they're on, if, if you know, if, if it's, I've got the TV on, I still have Pat Hughes. I just prefer Pat. That's my, always been my favorite. So, yes. Okay. I do not have the MLB package for TV either. I do not. I, I rely, and luckily, the Cubs have been, obviously, as good as they have been. They have been on MLB Network quite a bit over the past couple of years where I've been able to watch them and they've been on ESPN quite a bit. So I probably have been able to watch well over 20 plus Cubs games on TV. So for me, that's been a a solid uh, thing. However, if the Cubs are not good, um, you know, how many games are they going to be on? Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what changes because to your point, I would like to see, um, the Cubs on, you know, and have access to the marquee network in a way like on my phone, where maybe you pay $4 a year, $4 a month, whatever it may be. So it, it will be interesting to see how this gets worked out. We have seen other cable networks like the Dodgers have issues where not everybody in the California, Southern California area gets, you know, the what is it called? Dodger vision or Spectre vision, whatever it is, Spectrum TV. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's an issue. So uh, it is going to be interesting to see how this uh, how this all plays out. All right, let's move on to the ninth inning, Chad, our final inning of our first 2020 episode. And I found this was interesting because I saw this on Twitter the other day, and I'm curious to hear uh, your story as well. But um, somebody posed the question, what was the first Cubs autograph you ever received? Um, I will to tell my story, but I will I will give you the floor first. And, and if you um, can remember, what was your first Cubs autograph that you ever got when you were growing up? I was, uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you two things. So you, you know, you know what I, I went to go create after the 16 season. So it took me, it took me about 14 months, but I, I have, I have a Cubs world series baseball, um, with the signature of every single player who appeared in the World Series for the Cubs and their entire coaching staff. I actually have it in order from when they appeared in Game 7 and then the, the bench players. Um, that's my – I love that thing. That thing makes – it makes me very happy. I've got a nice little display case. There is one other ball that uh, that has a, a, a special place in my heart, and that's the Ryan Sandberg ball. And so when I, that, that was the first one I got. Um, I didn't get it as a kid. I didn't have access to be around a player as a kid. I didn't, there was no eBay back then. Uh, so I got it as a, when I was in my early twenties and I still cherish that ball because he was such a, a big part of my childhood. That's a great story. All right. So for me, and, um, I, I know you and I've talked about this, uh, off show, but I, you know, I'm happy to talk about it during the show, but growing up as a kid, I was lucky enough to live in the same neighborhood, um, as Ryan Sandberg. Rick Sutcliffe and Jody Davis. Um, They all lived in my neighborhood when I was a little kid. Uh, They lived there during the season. Off season, they would obviously go back to their respective places. I think uh, Jody Davis lived in Georgia. Samberg was in Arizona. Rick Sutcliffe, I believe, lived in Kansas City somewhere. Uh, But during the season, they were in the suburb of Chicago where I grew up. Um, So I'm uh, 10 years old, and it's summertime, and I'm outside playing with my friends in the neighborhood. And who should be jogging in the neighborhood is the Red Baron himself, Rick Sutcliffe. Um, so out of a scene out of Rocky, Chad, um, all these kids 
just start running with Rick Sutcliffe. And, you know, for anybody that has never met Rick Sutcliffe, he is probably one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. He, he is a kind soul of a man. Um, and he was so great with all the kids that were running with him throughout the neighborhood while he was on his jog. Um, towards the end of the jog, he, most of the kids had peeled off, except for me and two of my friends. And we ran all the way back to his house. And we got to his house and we figured, OK, that was great. Like we ran with Rick Sutcliffe. He was talking to us while he was running. We're going to go home now. He then invites us into his house um, and then proceeds to find these calendars from 1985. So we're talking this is 1986 when this happened. <laughs> he had leftover 1985 Cubs calendars that he signed and autographed for all of us and, and gave to us as a memento. And that was the first Cubs autograph I ever received. And to this day, I still have that autograph calendar. And not only that, Chad, this question was posed on Twitter uh, earlier in the week. And I retweeted it and I answered it on my, my Twitter handle. And Rick Sutcliffe found my tweet and he retweeted it on his timeline on Twitter this week. So That's I thought ridiculous. that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm pretty sure Rick Sutcliffe probably remembers the story. Um, because I think that's kind of a cool way to get an autograph. That's I'm amazing. Pretty sure he remembers. So, yeah. uh, Rick, I, I, I hope you're uh, listening. Um, but obviously, we'd love to have you on our our show. I'm hoping that'll happen one day. But that is my first Cubs autograph story, and it's always been a pretty cool story for me to have. I love that story, and and the Red Baron. If you are listening, uh, um, let's let's just meet up at Beer Garden in Encinitas, California. That's so right. He's uh, he, he he and I are neighbors, but have yet to have a chance to to meet the like that yeah. just yet. But I love that story, Rhino. Yeah, that's uh, that is good stuff. All right, well, that is going to do it for our first edition of the Friendly Confines in 2020. It is good to be back on the uh, airwaves with you, Chad, as always. And uh, we will be here for uh, the 2020 season, giving you the latest on Cubs news. And of course, all of the best guests that cover Cubs baseball or Major League Baseball for that matter. So for Chad, I am Ryan. We appreciate you guys always listening. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on the Friendly Confines. See you in Mesa, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.